Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Have you ever wondered what your pet was thinking? Or or have you ever wished your dog or cat could talk? You know, I have a dog named Pepper, and I often wish she could talk. And, you know, we could chat about her day, hiding in the grass, or just sleeping under the porch, or chewing on her bone. And Does she like that bone? Does that bone taste good? Would she prefer another bone? You know, it'd be interesting to have her views on the political scene of the day, or what's her favorite TV show to watch. I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk with her, I think. But you know what? Animals can't talk even if we wanted them to dogs don't have the physical stuff needed to talk right they can say woof but they can't form letters like p's and b's i don't even think they have the stuff that they could talk anyway i digress back to my question do you ever wish animals could talk you could be a dr doolittle a modern day tarzan and communicate with the animals well if you've ever wished that Boy, do I have a story from the Bible for you today. As Moses and the people of Israel moved ever closer to invading the Promised Land, the excitement amongst the people was palpable. They were now camped in Amorite territory on the plains of Moab. They were east of the Jordan River, and all they had to do was cross the Jordan River to the west, and they'd be in the Promised Land. They could just taste the grapes that they were told were huge bigger than a man's head in some cases. And the grass, the grass was in abundance, and all the grass they needed to feed and graze their cattle was there. Praise Yahweh. They could just see the promised land. It was so exciting, but little did they know. There was trouble brewing from a king named Balak and a prophet named Balaam. See, Balak was another Amorite king who wanted nothing to do with the Israelites. And in fact, he had hoped King Og and King Sihon would have run Moses and his people out of town, but they'd failed. And so now he was stuck with dealing with the problem. See, and he, Balak, he saw what had happened to the kings who had decided to take on Moses and the people of Israel in battle. They had lost, and Moses and the people had routed them all and proven that Yahweh was triumphant, not their gods. Well, because of all that, Balak was afraid of them. And he probably thought, as many people thought back then, the best way to defeat them is to get someone to curse them. 
a supernatural curse. Back then, if you cursed or blessed someone, you believed it would come true. Cursing someone to death was considered a legitimate way to fight, to take a stand against your foe back then, right? Get some amazing local priest or some really cool local prophet to curse the person or the people or the army you wanted to defeat, and there was a good chance it would happen. So, Balak thought, who can I get to curse the people of Israel for me? Who can I get to do it? I wonder, and I can imagine he's pacing back and forth in his palace trying to decide, who can I get to curse? Who can I get to curse the people of Israel? And (gasps) that guy, that guy, yes, that guy, his name came to mind perfectly. Yes, that guy would do. He's a prophet. In fact, I've heard he's a prophet of, of Yahweh, the same God that the people of Israel claim to worship. Yes, I'm sure he worships Yahweh. Yeah, so I got to get that guy. That guy will do it. And so Balak ran to his scribe and and got him to write out a note to be sent to Balaam, prophet of God. The note read this. A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the surface of the land and are living right across from me. Please come and put a curse on these people for me because they are more powerful than I am. I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land for I know that those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. Numbers 22 verses 5 through 6. Signed, Balak, king of Moab. And so he grabbed the note and he read it and he liked it. And then he gave it to the messengers and then he gave them one, two, 20, 30, huge amounts of money to give up to Balaam. And, and then this money, known as diviner's fees, this money would then be paid to the prophet to try to ascertain the will of their God. Or in this case, Balak wanted Balaam to try to ascertain or understand the mind of Yahweh himself and ask Yahweh to give through Balaam a curse and have Balaam curse the people of Israel and then they would win and Balak would be able to continue to be king. So he was given lots of money to try to get favor from Balaam's God. And so he gives him this money. He gives him this note. And so the messengers of Balak head off and they find Balaam by the Euphrates River in an area called Peor. Now, the question comes to mind, who was this Balaam? And if he wasn't part of the people of Israel, how did he know the divine name for God, that of Yahweh? How could he be worshiping the true God? You know what's interesting? Is we know very little about the backstory of Balaam. All we know is that he knew the divine name of God, Yahweh. Now, they have found in that area evidence that there was what is called the worship of God, or El worship. El is the Hebrew word for God. And there seems to be some worship of El among the Moabites. And there have been men in the Bible, we've heard of, right, who were not connected with Israel, but who were true worshipers of God. Remember King Melchizedek? And Moses' own father-in-law, Jethro, was a Kenite who was a worshiper of the one true God. 
How did these two men worship Yahweh and yet they weren't part of the people of Israel? Now, I do think God can show up to whoever he wants. I also think they could have discovered Yahweh along the way. God says, if you seek me, you will find me. But in the case of Balaam, you wonder, was he worshiping him correctly? Remember, there was mention of the worship of this god named El in this area. But does it mean they were doing it right? Or, or maybe Balaam only heard of Yahweh and he didn't actually worship him. But when he found out how powerful and mighty this God truly was, when he went to speak to him, when Yahweh shows up, he's like, whoa, I have got to start to worship this God. I mean, we simply don't know. All we know is, is that Balaam was a prophet who was known to be a person who could speak to the gods, and it seems that Balaam was aware of the one true God, Yahweh. That's all we know. Well, these men from Balak came to him with this message and the money. And sure enough, Balaam decides to take the job and to call upon the name of Yahweh. Now, I imagine he lit his incense, bowed 12 times in one direction. You know, he did all this religious show for the watching nobles. And then God did show up. The mighty, all-powerful Yahweh actually showed up. And Yahweh came to Balaam and told him exactly what to say. You are not to go with them. That's what God told Balaam. You are not to go with them. You are not to curse this people, for they are blessed. Numbers 22, verse 12. You are not to go with them. You are not to curse this people, for they are blessed. So Balaam got up and came and told the men, I, I can't go with you. Yahweh's refused me to go with you. I can't. I can't go with you. And that's the message. So the men took their money and left and went back to King Balak and said he wouldn't come with us. So Balak, not being the type of guy who gives up easily, sent more important officials and offered even more money if Balaam would come and curse the people of Israel for him. Well, Balaam shared he couldn't do that. He just couldn't. But then I think he took a look at all that money they had brought. And he told them, you know what? Why don't you just stay and I will consult with God and see what he wants me to do. So Balaam went and he met with God. And guess what? God told him to go with them, but to only tell them what he, God, told Balaam to say. Nothing more, nothing less. Yes, I wonder, probably thought Balaam. Yes, money, money, money. Plus, I want to curse Israel, and I will do what I can to curse them. M maybe along the way, heading to Balak's kingdom, maybe God will change his mind, and, and maybe I'll get to do what I want to do to curse them, because I just want to curse Israel. I think it's interesting. you got to remember this. God showed up to Balaam, but Balaam wasn't a godly man. And I think you'll see in the story that for some reason, Balaam, he didn't like Moses. And Balaam did not like the 
people of Israel, and he wanted to see them fall. He wanted to see them fail. Well, the next day, Balaam gets up. And he gets up to go with the important people from Balak to tell King Balak whatever God asked him to say. He probably knew the message, you know, to not curse the people, but maybe Balaam is probably thinking, maybe God will change his mind. I don't like these people and all that money. If I get God to change his mind, I'll have all that money. I'll have all that money. I'll have all that money. Well, the people block went on ahead and Balaam, he goes to the stable and there he picks his favorite donkey, Deirdre. Now, the Bible doesn't call her Deirdre, but, you know, I think that's what Balaam probably named his donkey. Deirdre the donkey. He loved Deirdre. Now, that is true from the story. He loved Deirdre. And Deirdre, and this is really true from the story, Deirdre loved Balaam and had served him faithfully for years. Deirdre the donkey had taken Balaam over hill and dale all over the place on his work as a prophet. Deirdre was a faithful donkey to Balaam, and so Balaam saddled Deirdre, and off they headed to King Balak. Well, as they were going along, you know, they started to come to a ravine, a tight ravine, where you could either go forwards or backwards. You could not go to either side. Forwards or backwards, that was it. Well, they were tootling along quite nicely. I imagine Balaam was eating his peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Yeah, he, he's one of those who likes pickles with everything, I assume. And giving some to Deirdre along the way. And Deirdre was munching the pickles. And the bread and the peanut butter. And Deirdre just munching away when... Deirdre, the donkey opens her mouth in utter fear. <gasps> out falls all that peanut butter. <gasps> out falls all those pickles. <gasps> and Deirdre, the donkey, she starts to shake in fear. She is scared to death because Deirdre, the donkey, she sees him. This man, this man is bright, brighter than the sun. And he probably has a huge flaming sword in his hand. It was the angel of the Lord. And Deirdre is tootling along. And then when she sees the angel of the Lord, the donkey, ooh, stops right in her tracks again she's quaking with fear and she can't move and she looks up at Balaam who's happily eating his sandwich does he not see this angel he's huge and scary and very bright with a flaming sword seriously does he not see this angel and like I said she stops but Balaam couldn't see the angel or the sword that was starting to come down to whop Balaam's 
neck right off his body. And so Deirdre, the donkey, she lurches to the left and tries to slide past the angel of the Lord who's standing in the way, right? He's standing in the path. She can't go forward because the angel of the Lord is right there. So she's trying to squeeze past the angel of the Lord by ramming herself into the side of the ravine and trying to slide forward. But of course, ow, this hurts. Balaam's leg having it scraped against the rocks on the side of the ravine and and then Deirdre the donkey can't get past the angel of the Lord and so she just drops and crouches in fear in front of the angel and at this point Balaam is furious and he hops off the donkey and then he grabs the stick laying on the ground nearby and he hit poor Deirdre the donkey the Bible says that Balaam struck the donkey three times I can't believe you did that. Whack! What a dumb animal. Whack! Why'd you do that? Whack! And here's Deirdre with her head under hooves. This huge angel of the Lord standing in front of her with a sword. And here her master is beating her. And I, and he's about to raise his arm to hit her a fourth time when Deirdre speaks. Now this is weird, right? A donkey talking. Well, the Bible says the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. It was the Lord that allowed the donkey to speak. It's a miracle and speak she did. Hey, Balaam, don't hit me. Why are you hitting me? Have, have I not treated you well? Am I not the donkey you have ridden on your whole life? Then why do you beat me? I can imagine the donkey is rubbing its hiney and its leg and its neck and, and basically showing Balaam how much that beating hurt. And then Balaam says to the donkey, you made me look like a fool. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you now. Numbers 22 verse 29. Wow. Balaam is not forgiving at all. Again, he says, you made me look like a fool. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you now. And the donkey had said, look, I'd taken you over hill or dale. I've been a faithful donkey all these years. And his response is, I would kill you. He is not a very kind owner. And at that point, I wonder if the donkey, poor Deirdre, right, just rolls her eyes and, and then points with one hoof ahead and then hides her head under her hooves once again and then Balaam turns around in the direction Deirdre pointed and there the Bible says that the Lord opened his eyes and he could see the angel of the Lord standing in the way and then the angel speaks and the angel says to Balaam, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Look, I came out to oppose you because I consider what you are doing to be evil. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away from me, I would have killed you by now and let her, the donkey, live. Numbers 22, verses 32 and 33. Wow! That is how hard-hearted and blind you are to the supernatural, Balaam. Yeah, I think Balaam was a terrible prophet. So bad, he had to be saved by his own donkey. Now notice it says that what Balaam was about to do was evil in the sight of the angel of the Lord. Basically, in the sight of God. 
But wasn't it God that asked Balaam to go talk to the Moabite? But wasn't it God that asked Balaam to go talk to the Moabite king? Well, this is where I think God knew the evil heart of Balaam. I mean, he may have outwardly conceded to only tell the king what God had told him to tell him, but deep down inside, I don't think Balaam liked Yahweh, and he had no time for his people, the people of Israel. God knew that. Well, God wanted to remind him one more time and remind him in spectacular fashion, your life belongs to me and I will take it anytime I wish and you had better stick to the plan and say exactly what I put in your, and to say exactly the words I put in your mouth. Well, Balaam gets back on Deirdre and starts heading towards Block, but I wonder if it wasn't that smooth of a ride this time because Deirdre's a little annoyed at Balaam and maybe she gave him a rough ride. At least that's what I would have done. Well, he got back on road and he had the clear understanding, Balaam did, that he is to only say what God puts in his mouth to say. Well, when he sees Balaam coming, Balak drops everything and runs to meet him, excited that now he will finally have his cursings and he can curse the people of Israel. Balak is also surprised as to how long it took Balaam to get there and that he was beginning to worry. <laughs> well, Balaam finally made it to the city and, and there he began to eat and fast and pray and then eat some more. Why? Because tomorrow is the day Israel loses by being cursed. That's what Balak thinks. So the next day rolls around. You know, it's a beautiful day for a cursing. Warm, sunny, with a subtle wind blowing at 72 degrees. Perfect for cursing your enemy. So Balak and Balaam and the whole army of King Balak, they sneak up to the camp of the Israelites. And they're just on the outskirts. And there, Balaam asked Balak, Hey, if we're going to do this right, I need you to build seven altars and then to sacrifice seven bulls and seven rams on each one. So Balak did that. Now, that must have taken a bit of work, I think. Balak probably made seven earthen altars and then got seven bulls and put them on each one and then slaughter, slaughter, slaughter seven times and then and then slaughter, slaughter, slaughter seven rams and slaughter, slaughter, slaughter seven bulls and seven rams. I mean, this is a lot of slaughtering. And then finally sacrifices seven bulls, seven rams on those seven altars and then Balaam steps forward to speak the words of Yahweh to curse the people of Israel and instead what comes out of his mouth is a poem of blessing. You know, something like roses are red, violets are blue, Israel is awesome, much better than you. Well, that's not exactly what he said, but you get the gist of it. He blessed Israel, to which Balak said, I paid you to curse them. I paid you to curse them, and instead you bless them? What is up with this? To which Balaam responds, hey, I can only say the words God commands me to say. Well, Balak responds by asking him to go with him to another spot. Come with me. Come on. Let's go to another spot to a place called Lookout Field on top of Mount Pisgah. So there, Balak wants Balaam to pronounce another curse, or at least try to. 
So Balaam agrees and he walks with Balak all the way to the top of the mountain and stands there in the middle of lookout field. And once again, all he can see is the outskirts of the camp of the Israelites. And so once again, and I think to buy some time, Balaam asks Balak to build seven altars and to offer a ram and a bull on each altar. Now I keep thinking, who is hauling all these bulls and rams around, right? But that's beside the point. So Balak builds these altars and slaughters 14 animals, seven bulls and seven rams, and then waits for Balaam's curse. So Balaam asks Balak to wait over here by the altars, you know, while he goes to consult with God. Now at this point, this is all for show, or for Balaam hoping he will get a different answer, a curse maybe. Well, Balaam consults with God again, and God gives him the words to say, so Balaam goes back to these seven altars, and he stands there, you know, and as the flames rise high with the burning animals on him, he stands there, and Balaam tries hard to curse Israel. I think Balaam is doing all he can to try to get a curse to come out of his mouth. Because later on, writing in Deuteronomy 23, verse 5, Moses says that God turned Balaam's curse into a blessing for them. You know, I think Balaam started to say, you ugly, mean, terrible Israelites, God hates you. And he's starting to curse them and say these terrible, mean words. And instead, God took those words and made them come out in a second blessing. And, you know, he's like, God hates you. And instead, Balak hears, roses are red, violets are blue. These people are mighty and will destroy you. Again, not exactly the words, but you get the idea. He tried to curse them and out comes a blessing. And Balaam is probably like, no, 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 that's not what I wanted. And Balak is saying to him again, you blast them. There was no curse. What's wrong with you after all these animals, all these altars? This is starting to kill my back. Where's the curse? So these two go off and they try a third time to curse Israel. And they pick another mountain. Why you would pick a mountain? I don't know. Because that's a lot of animals to haul up a mountain. But they pick another mountain. And Balak builds, guess what? Seven more altars. And then guess what? Kills seven more bulls and seven more rams on each one. This is exhausting. And then this time the Bible says they didn't even wait for Balaam to come up with some curse. Or Balaam to come up with some blessing. No, it says in the Bible that the Spirit of God came upon Balaam. And Balaam just started singing the praises of Israel. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwellings, Israel. They stretch out like river valleys, like gardens beside a stream. Like aloes the Lord has planted, like cedars beside the water. Water will flow from his buckets and his seed will be by abundant water. His king will be greater than Agag and his kingdom will be exalted. God brought him out of Egypt. He is like the horns of a wild ox for them. He will feed on enemy nations and gnaw their bones. He will strike them with his arrows. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? Those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. Numbers 24, verses 5 through 9. And to that final blessing, 
Those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed, I imagine. Balak throws his hands up in the air and says, that's it. I am keeping my money. That's essentially what he tells Balaam. I am keeping my money. No loot for you. Balaam responds by saying, you know what, Balak? I could only say what God told me to say. And all the money in the world isn't going to change that. And then the Spirit of God comes over Balaam again. And he gives one last oracle with which he shares with Balak the terrible defeat the people of Israel will inflict on his people. A star will come from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. Edom will become a possession. Sire will become a possession of its enemies. But Israel will be triumphant. One who comes from Jacob will rule. He will destroy the city's survivors. Numbers 24, 17 through 19. And God uses Balaam who was an unwilling servant of Yahweh, who was trying so hard to curse the very nation, to curse the nation of Israel. He was trying so hard because that's what he was being paid to do. But instead, he ended up blessing the people. He was paid to curse. I can imagine Block takes all his money and leaves, and then... Balaam stomps off, riding poor Deirdre, the donkey, all the way back home. And on the way back home, he's thinking, I had the chance to make a lot of money. I had the chance to be set for life, but this god named Yahweh stopped me. And he ruined the whole thing. And as he rides home, you can imagine Balaam gets angrier and angrier at God and Moses and the people of Israel for ruining everything. And then he thinks, wait a minute. The camp of the Israelites is right over there. And there is probably one more thing I could do. One more thing I could do. I could try. I could do that. That would really mess with Moses and the Israelites. Man, yeah, if I did that, that would really work. That would really mess him up good. You know what that one thing was? You know what that one thing was that he was going to do? Well, if you come back next week, we're going to find out. But this week, I want you to be encouraged. God can take evil and turn it into good. He can take the miraculous and use something as insane as a talking animal for his glory. And do remember that the supernatural is real. And if we were able to remove the veil around us so we could see all that was happening in the supernatural realm, we would be amazed. And maybe, just maybe, I wonder, sometimes, do you think your dog... You see a lot more than you think. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. 
new episodes added every week. Thank you.